It's time for Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Have you ever wondered if there's more to life than you're currently living? Then Success Profiles Radio is the program for you. Every week, we'll explore different aspects of success and how to apply them to your life. Guests will come from many different backgrounds, including expertise in leadership, business, relationships, careers, networking, health, overcoming adversity, and much more. Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright. Welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be a fantastic show. I'll be introducing my guest shortly, and I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be great. I just want to take a minute or two to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately, and I will do this every single week. This week, I started reading a book called The Aladdin Factor by Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield. And it is about the power of asking for what you want. It covers not only how and why, but also why we typically don't ask for what we want. Sometimes it can be scary to admit that you want or need something from someone, but the world does belong to those who ask. So today I decided to put this into practice. I'm doing a talk this Friday to a local school here in town. And the grant they applied for, which would provide them with 100 copies of my student leadership book, didn't come through. Therefore, I began the process of getting community support from nearby businesses to donate or purchase them. It was a pretty fruitful day as I succeeded in raising money for 60 of those books just today alone. You simply don't get something if you don't ask for it. Think about something that you have always wanted but were afraid to ask for. Then resolve to ask someone with authority to grant that wish for you. The results may pleasantly surprise you. With all this in mind, I want to introduce my guest. And before I forget, let me give you the call-in number in case you'd like to call in and participate in today's discussion. That number is 866-404-6519. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. My guest this week is Frank Shankwitz. Let me tell you a little bit about him. In 1972, Frank started his career with the Arizona Department of Public Safety assigned to the Arizona Highway Patrol as a car officer assigned to Yuma, Arizona, where Frank's interest in working with children began as a coach for the Special Olympics program. In 1975, Frank was transferred to the Phoenix area to be part of a new 10-man motorcycle tactical unit designed for work throughout the state. For the next 10 years, wherever assigned to small towns, Frank would visit local grade schools and talk about bicycle safety and let the children sit on his motorcycle. Frank was one of the primary officers from the Arizona Highway Patrol who was responsible for granting the wish of a seven-year-old boy with leukemia who wanted to be a Highway Patrol motorcycle officer like his heroes, Ponch and John, from the television show Chips. He and his wife Kitty and several others founded the Make-A-Wish Foundation in November 1980, with Frank being the first CEO and president. 32 years later, the Make-A-Wish Foundation has grown to include 63 chapters in the United States, 36 international chapters covering five continents, and has granted over 280,000 wishes worldwide, with a wish being granted somewhere in the world on an average of every 38 minutes, all because of a boy named Chris who wanted to be a highway patrol motorcycle officer. Frank has received civic honors from President Bush and from the United States Military Academy at West Point. He retired as a homicide detective from the Arizona Department of Public Safety and has 40 years of service in law enforcement. In 2010, Frank was featured in award-winning author Brad Mesler's book, Heroes for My Son, identified as one of 52 people who have made a difference in the world. 
Frank has been featured in USA Weekend Magazine and the Huffington Post, as well as numerous television productions. Frank is also featured in several books, Greg Reed's Universal Wish and Lisa Heidinger's Wishes in Flight. Frank has also co-authored with Rachel Sparks, Once Upon a Wish, which was a book released this year. Frank is currently involved in the making of a movie about his life called Wish Man. With all this in mind, here's my guest, Frank Shankowitz. Frank, are you there? Yes, sir. Good afternoon. Thank you for inviting me to be on your show. Oh, fantastic. Were you able to hear everything I said? I don't know. I, we might have had a connection problem. No, I was coming loud and clear. Oh, fantastic. Thank you. So, uh, here's the first question that I normally ask everyone, Frank. Tell us a little bit about your background, your backstory, how you got to where you are now, and, and some of the things that maybe uh, you overcame and we can learn about. Um, I was uh, actually born in Chicago, and uh, my mother divorced very young, and she was a Harvey girl. And for people that don't know, Harvey girls, and this is 1938, 1940, um, the Santa Fe Railroad had several uh, high-dollar hotels that were built along the Santa Fe line uh, from Chicago to Los Angeles. And she applied at the age of 18, uh, wanting to go to Arizona, was accepted and uh, moved to Arizona and just fell in love with the state. Unfortunately, she had to go back to Chicago area um, because of an ill mother. And uh, while there, married, uh, I was born. But she divorced when I was very young and wanted to make her way back to Arizona. Mm -hmm. Um, We lived uh, in somewhat poverty in those years. We lived in everything from the back of cars to tents to boarding houses and but she eventually made her way back to Arizona. And, uh, again, very poor during that time. People in a little town called Seligman, Arizona, took us in. And for listeners to Seligman, Arizona, if uh, anybody ever saw the Disney movie Cars that was based on Seligman, Arizona, Radiator Springs was Seligman, Arizona. So it got a little notoriety here in later years. But people took us in. They fed us. And uh, at the age of 10, I got a job full-time washing dishes, and that wasn't unusual. Everybody in that town, uh, the young kids were doing everything they could to help the family. Oh, my. Uh, fellow officers couldn't revive me. Fortunately for me, an off-duty emergency room nurse from California happened to be on the scene, and she worked four minutes with CPR mouth-to-mouth and brought me back to life. And surviving that accident, uh, I wondered, why did God spare me on this? And you can't be a police officer and not have some type of a spiritual thing, uh, say a little prayer, um, protect me when I go to work today, you get home and say thank you for protecting me. And I just wondered why why I was spared on that. And as you mentioned, in 1980, I was introduced to a little seven-year-old boy named Chris. Chris had leukemia. Uh, Chris only had a few weeks to live that we learned. And his heroes were Ponch and John, as you mentioned, from Chips. And he told his mom, when I grow up, I want to be a motorcycle officer, just like Punch and John. And through contacts through our department and friends of his, they asked if we could do anything special for Chris, which we did with the permission of our commanders. He was flown in our state helicopter to our headquarters building, which was Mm -hmm. the first time I met him. And I expected our paramedics to help this very ill little boy, I can't imagine, seven years old, leukemia. And Chris knew he only had a few weeks to live. But instead, mm. here comes this little pound of energy out of the helicopter, running up to me, 
high five and high out Chris. And as far as he was concerned, I could be the puncher challenge. He was just ecstatic. He was having as so much fun as a seven year old boy you would imagine would be. But Chris and I bonded immediately. He went on that day to visit our armory to get a uh, his own badge, his own uniform, and made the first and only honorary highway patrol officer in the history of the Arizona Highway Patrol to this day. Wow. He wanted his motorcycle length, and that was a humorous little story. We went to his house, and uh, we just mentioned if you had a motorcycle, Chris, I could test you in your driveway uh, and explaining the testing the instructions we had to go through for motorcycle officers. Chris was hmm. a step ahead of us. He ran inside the house and came riding out on a little battery-operated motorcycle that his hmm. mother had got for him in place of a wheelchair. And he wow. had on his uniform that we had made for him and a helmet, and he was serious as it could be. We set up some cones in the driveway. He went through them. Did I pass my test? Am I a motorcycle officer now? Yes, you are, Chris. And he wanted the motorcycle wings that we wore on our uniforms, which were custom-made. And I told him when I would order those. Mm-hmm. I did order those. A couple days later, I picked them up. As I picked them up, I learned Chris was in the hospital in a coma, was not expected mm-hmm. to survive the day. Mm. When I went into the hospital, his uniform was hanging right by his bed. And mm. as I pinned the wings on his uniform, Chris came out of a coma. He looked wow. at me, so he... he looked at his uniform, he just started giggling and laughing. Am I a full motorcycle officer now? Yes, you are, Chris. He could actually reach over, got his uniform, showed his mom. He was just mm-hmm. happy as can be. Unfortunately, Frank, Chris against... passed away later that afternoon. Oh my and I was kind of like the same baby those wings off train to heaven. You bet. And we are but right we up against our very first officer. And we're right up and Frank, we're at our, we're at our break. I'm sorry. We'll come back after we'll come back after the break. The music is starting. We'll come right back after okay. the break. This is Success right. Files Radio. All right. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Did you know you can quickly grow your business online and offline for free? SmartGuy.com is one of the fastest-growing business networks in the world. Managing over 600 city business networks from Los Angeles, California to the country of Bahrain. In just a minute or two, you can add your business and be quickly listed in their global business directory, local business networks, and get a free web page that can actually rank on top of major search engines in as little as one to two weeks. No kidding. Simply go to www.smartguy.com. Fill out your company information and you're set. So add your business for free and find out why everyone loves a smart guy. Smartguy.com Solave, we think a person's voice is the most powerful form of marketing, so that's what we want to invest in. 
While other companies spend billions on traditional marketing, we reward you for sharing Solove with your connections. We began with a simple idea. A single relationship has the power to make life better for many people. We took this idea and turned it into a company that can make commerce less expensive and even profitable for everyone. We've started with mobile phone service because it's something all of us already use and it's the technology connecting us every day. We put you in charge of what you pay for mobile service. And simply making the switch to Solove is the first step to spending less. $49 a month for unlimited voice, text, and data. But it gets even better. You can earn money just for sharing Solove with others. As your network of connections grows, both through your actions and the actions of each person who joins because of you, you can quickly be paying nothing for your mobile service and even make a profit every month. Visit us online at www.social-commerce-now.com to learn more and join the Solove revolution. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. Okay, and we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Frank Shankwitz, who is the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And before we went to our break, Frank told us how the Make-A-Wish Foundation started. He shared a story about a wish he granted to a young boy named Chris. And that's really uh, where the whole thing started. If you, if anybody out there wants to call in and ask questions and talk with us about the Make-A-Wish Foundation, uh, it is 866-404-6519. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. So, uh, Frank, we talked a little bit about how that situation with, with that little boy, Chris, and granting that wish for him to be an honorary patrol officer really was the start of your decision to uh, form the Make-A-Wish Foundation, right? Yes, it was. Uh, coming back from his general um, in Illinois, I said we had lost a fellow officer and he's buried with full police honors. But I just started thinking, here's this little boy. We, we had a wish. We made it happen. Why can't we do that for other children? And that's when the idea was born, right there in 1980. Wow, that's great. So what were some of the special challenges you faced along the way? I mean, did you envision this blowing up as big as it has gotten? What was it that you were wanting to do with this, and what kinds of challenges did you face along the way, Frank? Well, the biggest challenge was um, I was working full-time, obviously, as a police officer, and as most police officers, you're working secondary jobs. Uh, and then the other challenge was, uh, finding people that were interested in the idea. Um, by the charter, I had to find four other people, and uh, that was very difficult. They, they just didn't think it was a good idea. It wouldn't work. Uh, but when I did find those other four people, uh, we went to work, and you mentioned that I ever feel that it was going to grow to the size it was today and not sounding egotistical. Yes, I did. After we granted our first official wish, I mentioned mm -hmm. to the people, someday we're going to be national, international, granting wishes all over the world. And they yeah. kind of laughed at me, but uh, they stuck with me on it. Yeah. I love that you, that you said that because really anyone who achieves greatly has to have 
uh, an enormous belief in who they are and what they're about and where they're going. So I love that you did think this big so early on. Were there some uh, some challenges or issues that you had to encounter along the way? I mean, something this big doesn't grow without its growing pains. Well, the, the biggest thing is that after we were uh, a, a few years into it, I had to make, now we're becoming uh, big, we're getting national attention all over. We're getting uh, calls from different states that want to develop chapters. And I had to make a decision, am I going to be a police officer or am I going to run the foundation? And I, I liked what I was doing. And by the way, none of us in the beginning ever took a salary, and I've never taken a salary from Make-A-Wish in all the years that I've been involved because I had a job. But we made the decision to start hiring the professionals because we nobody was, uh, say, working and they were doing other jobs there along with Make-A-Wish to start hiring the professionals in the nonprofit world, which I think was our, our best decision ever. Hmm. That's wonderful. And I love the fact that you didn't ever take a salary. Uh, because I know that I, I used to work uh, for a fundraising company, and some of the questions that I would occasionally get centered around, well, how much of this is actually going to the cause, and how what percentage of this is actually going toward administrative costs and salaries, and sometimes that is the decision by which people will decide to give to an organization or not. I would imagine that the, the costs associated with uh, giving to Make-A-Wish are a lot lower because you did not take a salary. Would that be right? Well, yes, in the beginning. Now, please understand, we had to start paying people. Um, yes. But Make-A-Wish over the years has maintained, and I would really suggest people search charitynavigator.org for any charity they're interested in to find out where the money is going. And Make-A-Wish Foundation, the chapters in the national office, international office, has maintained that 70 cents of every dollar goes to the foundation, to the children. And any charity per charity navigator, the watchdog of all the charities, feel that is a four-star rating if they can maintain that 70%. That's fantastic. So um, let me ask you this. I mean, it sounds like you kept your job as uh, a police officer while you were doing this. So your employer was really, really supportive of this big mission that you had then, correct? Very supportive. Um I'm working, like I said, full-time, and I get called into the director's office. I thought, oh, I'm in trouble now. And he told me, he says, I know what you're doing. I support you 100%. Uh, sometimes it's gonna, you're going to have to do a lot of this on duty time. Just give me eight hours a day. If it takes you 15 hours to give me eight hours a day, you work 15 hours, but you give me eight hours a day. And I respected him for doing that, and I honored that little verbal contract, making sure that I did give him that full eight hours a day. Wow. That's fantastic. So let me ask you about how you built this organization. Obviously, uh, no great thing such as this happens by one person being an island and trying to do it themselves. I would imagine you had to be a really good networker. I'd imagine that you had to learn how to make really great, authentic connections, right? <laughs> yes, and we had, luckily, nobody had ever heard of anything like this nationwide, and the press picked it up immediately, and we started getting great press coverage. Uh, the major networks, the NBC, the ABC, and a big breakthrough was a relationship that we started with Disney, and, and that really uh, gave us the boost. So it all really 
fell together. It 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 was constant of networking, but we had a good mission. Yeah, and I've I've heard you talk about the story, or actually, you know what? I think I might have read about it in Greg Reed's book called "Think and Grow Rich: The Power of." or stickability, the power of perseverance, I met you at his event, his movie premiere, and I interviewed you on the red carpet. And I read the book, and the chapter about you talked about how you developed a relationship with Disney. A lot of people might ask, well, how do you sort of uh, get, in, uh, get in with a company like Disney? So what is it that happened that gave you such a great relationship with them? Well, it's, it's kind of a, a funny story in a sense. Our very first uh, official witch child, a little boy named, uh, nicknamed a Bopsy, uh, again, seven years old, again, leukemia. And in those days, in the early 80s, leukemia, uh, there were very few children that survived. Where now, about 70% of the children, thank God, and through modern medicine and God, are surviving these illnesses. Um, one of his wishes, his wish was to go to Disneyland. And I called Disney several times, uh, asking if they could maybe give us reduced fares re-entry, knowing that this child is in a wheelchair, to go to the head of the line, just to try and establish a relationship. And one of our other board members uh, kept trying to do the same thing. Disney had never heard of us and really didn't respond. I called one day over there and said, uh, this is uh, Officer Frank Shank was there on the highway patrol, and I need to talk to your director of uh, human relations. And they think, I think they misunderstood why I was calling because right away they think I'm going on official business. Oh. <laughs> and I'm just trying to use that title to talk to somebody. And right. that little misunderstanding led to Disney people listening to me, learning about our organization, uh, giving so that thought... first-class treatment to our little boy named Bopsy and starting that whole relationship with Disney, which wow. has been a major supporter for Make-A-Wish now wow. for 33 years. Wow. So they thought you were calling to bust one of their employees about something. Right. <laughs> maybe a oh warrant or maybe a, a problem going on in Arizona when it was the furthest thing from the truth. Right. But uh, that little misunderstanding led to that great relationship. Yeah, that's great. I think that's just a great lesson in uh, just taking what comes and making the most of it. And I, I love that. That's a great, great story. So let me ask you something. The whole idea of starting an organization like this is is going to involve a huge level of commitment. And And as a leader, it's very important that we learn how to instill our vision into other people so that they want to own it too. Was that a difficult process for you helping or, or getting other people to really commit to your big vision for this? It, it, like I said, at the beginning it was difficult, but everybody just right away grasped the idea. And especially with the children, um, to watch the, the, the results of a wish on these children was just amazing. And, and people just, gravitated to that immediately. Uh, we, we call it the power of a wish now, um, a popular term within the organization. And some of the children, what we have is what they call a rush wish. A doctor will notify us that this child is, is not going to survive their life-threatening illness. Uh, if you're going to do something, it's got to be in the next month or two. The child does the wish, whatever it might be, a, a travel, a meeting, a celebrity uh, whatever it might be, and they come back from that, and they go in remission. 
Mm. And the doctors, I was involved in this study about 15 years ago, the doctors just can't explain it. Mm. And that's why we started calling it the power of a wish. I mean, wow. it just rejuvenates not only the child, but the whole family. Wow. There's about a minute to the break. Um, so let me, let me ask you something. Um, if someone wants to give to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, how can they go ahead and do that, Frank? They can, the, the best contact is on the website which is a wish.org and that will get you to the national website and then anybody listening around the United States, they have a locator on there that you can put in your zip code, your city, your state, and it will direct you to your local chapter throughout the United States. That's fantastic. And we are coming up against our second break. My very special guest this week is Frank Shankwitz, who is the founder and CEO of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, one of the largest and one of the greatest charitable organizations in the entire world, in my opinion, doing fantastic work. And uh, we talked a little bit about how he got started and, and the challenges of growing an organization like that. If you do want to give to the Make-A-Wish Foundation, please do so. Go to wish.org, www.wish.org. You can look for your state, your local chapter, and give where it makes a difference wherever you are. We will come right back after the break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Energy Saving Solutions' innovative double green plan enables you to switch to energy-efficient LEDs and other modern lighting with no upfront cost. Modern LEDs are far more efficient than other types of lighting, but for many businesses, schools, and nonprofit organizations, the reason for sticking with the old inefficient lighting is the cost of replacing them. While an old-fashioned incandescent bulb may cost a dollar, LED costs $30 or more, and that's why Energy Saving Solutions has designed our Double Green Plan. Double Green allows you to convert to LEDs with no out-of-pocket cost. We'll pay for your new lights, and you'll pay us back with a percentage of your savings. From the very first day that your new LEDs are lighting your life, you'll realize a positive cash flow, and you'll be doing something positive for our environment. For a free cost and energy savings analysis, call Joshua May at 888-620-8133, extension 7082, or visit us online at www.energysavingindustry.com. In the annals of recorded history, there has never been anything that can compare to home movies. But now, in this modern era, where do you turn for the best information? Right here. It's the Home Movie Legacy Project, hosted by Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Learn how to organize, digitize, share on social media, use this genealogy research, repurpose or even monetize found footage discover ways to find films about your own family that you didn't even know existed or create a documentary that can use the power of home movies to deliver a message that can impact the lives of many for more on Rhonda in the show go to our website homemovielegacy.com then be here as the journey continues 
with the Home Movie Legacy Project with Rhonda Vigent. Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Central here on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Frank Shankowitz, uh, who is the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And if you want to call in and talk to us and ask a question, that number is 866-404-6519. Once again, that's 866-404-6519. So, Frank, I'd like to ask, and this is a question that maybe other people out there may be wondering. It's a huge organization, Make-A-Wish, and it's something that a lot of us have heard of. But what makes the Make-A-Wish Foundation different from a lot of the other organizations that do something similar? I mean, there are other organizations that grant wishes to people, and what makes Make-A-Wish Foundation uh, different? I, I think our, our credibility and the integrity of the foundation, um, and again, there, there are several, and I'm not, they're, I could say copycat, I'm not saying that in a derogatory term whatsoever, uh, because a lot of them are doing fantastic jobs. But because we keep that standard so high of that 70 cents of every dollar going direct to the mission, to the wish, um, that has lost caught, uh, I think, was number 10 brand in the nation on uh, nonprofits, which is a pretty high rating when, yes. consider when you, how many nonprofits there are. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. So putting together a nonprofit organization today would be very, very different and perhaps a lot harder than it was when you started. I mean, I'm sure it's a lot more highly regulated now. Does that sound right? It, it is. And, and obviously uh, with IRS, um, your 501c3 status, they check very close to make sure what you're doing, make sure everything is above board. And, and it wasn't as difficult 33 years ago as it is now. Now, it's not difficult. It's just a lot more time-consuming, a lot more paperwork, a, a lot more scrutiny of that nonprofit. And that should be. It should be. Yes. Um, let's make sure we're not taking somebody's money and putting it in somebody else's pocket instead of what the uh, charity is uh, trying to go for. Right, exactly. So, say for example, if you were to start a nonprofit organization in, say, Arizona, because that's where I'm at, you have to file your papers in Arizona, or or do you have to? Uh, how, how do you comply with the the standards and regulations of other states? I mean, is that all taken care of when you file in one particular state? And, and let's say, and again, use an example of Arizona, uh, file oh. with your Arizona Corporation Commission, and then your uh, IRS for Arizona, and then you would have to file uh, IRS and corporation papers in each state that you want, would want to branch out to. Okay. That's the And, and that's, that's right now is very costly compared to years ago. Exactly. Because each exactly. state is requiring the, the fees along with the IRS, fees of that individual state. Sure, absolutely. So let me ask, uh, I, I know that you love to tell the stories of the people you've granted wishes to. How about a, another favorite story of, a, of someone's dream coming true because of Make-A-Wish Foundation? 
the we, we have several celebrities, and a lot of times you won't read about a lot of wishes because, and let's say it's a celebrity um, or a wish family itself. We never we never ask that they allow publicity. We we ask them if they would. If they don't, we understand the privacy. What they're going through is this life-threatening situation with their child. It's very private for the family. And a lot of times, they, let's say a celebrity wish, a celebrity would say, I would love to interact with this child, but I don't want the publicity because this is between the child and I. So yes. I'll give you an example of uh, in San Francisco area uh, a few years ago, a very major motion picture celebrity um, the child wanted to see the Beauty and the Beast, the stage show of Beauty and the Beast that had just left the Turian of the San Francisco area. This uh, celebrity heard about that, arranged for the whole production to come back to San Francisco. The celebrity picked up this little girl, again seven years old, white majority of these children are seven, I don't know, but escorted just him and her to the theater and explained to her this was the stage production was, took her on the stage, and just started talking about how the whole production was. All of a sudden, some music started playing from the theme of the Beauty and the Beast. He asked if he could dance with her, and she started oh. dancing. All of a sudden, some stage lights comes on. Here comes the Beast now dancing with her. Further stage lights come on. The full orchestra is there. The theater lights come on, the whole theater is packed, and the whole production is playing special for this girl that this celebrity oh. arranged for the whole thing. Oh, my goodness. Wow. What a great story. I know. And, and, it's I, just, it's yeah. just, and you can imagine, right? This little girl all of a sudden dancing with the beast and the whole stage yeah. production there. <laughs> wow. That is fantastic. So, so let me ask, Frank, how do you identify... Uh, sponsors and organizations to help you with your outreach. I mean, I imagine the wish comes first, and we can talk a little bit later about how you screen the wishes and how you get uh, the wishes that you get to work with, but how do you identify the organizations and the people that can help you? Well, the, the marketing team will reach out to several major corporations, and also major corporations will reach out to uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation within the local chapters or the national and international office because of the integrity of the foundation. Uh, it is a good marketing and uh, charity tool for them, and probably the best example is the Macy's campaign that happens every year. Um, take a letter to Santa and put the mailbox to the Macy's store. For every letter delivered, Macy's donates $1 up to $1 million dollars. Uh, it's great for Make-A-Wish. It's a great marketing tool for Macy's. Uh, they have the child and mom in a store or dad. And Well, while we're here, let's do a little shopping. So it's a win-win for both of us. Wow. That's fantastic. So I would imagine that in any uh, organization's mission such as yours, there are probably several components that have to come together. One of those would be the funds you know, the, the money that you have to work with, I suppose another of those components would be finding volunteers that can help you, and finally, uh, the connections that need to be available. And, of course, the sponsors that, that you're talking about certainly are connections. Um, so let me ask, how is it that 
the you find out about these wishes if somebody maybe the better way to ask this is if someone out there has a terminally ill child or knows of a terminally ill child that has a special wish how can they reach out to you and see if their wish can possibly be granted and and to politely correct you we don't use the term terminally ill children uh, okay. we have changed that mission almost 20 years ago to children with life-threatening illnesses there you go because, that's fair. okay but because so many children uh, hopefully are surviving these, these illnesses, and again, that power of the wish uh, yes. to give them that strength and, and that energy to fight these diseases. But our, okay. our referrals come generally from the hospitals, from the children's hospitals. Um, there are pamphlets from children's hospitals throughout the United States explaining about Make-A-Wish. Uh, a friend, a neighbor may, may hear a child about a child, and tell the parent or contact the foundation. Up in my area here in northern Arizona, several times I'll pick up a newspaper and just read about this this child within northern Arizona somewhere uh, battling this particular life-threatening illness. And I will politely reach out to the family and ask if they know about the Make-A-Wish Foundation, if they don't give them the information, and uh, then the referral will go to the local chapter. That sounds fantastic. How many wishes do you grant a year? The, that is, a, I don't have that current information. I believe last year uh, nationwide was in the area of 4,500 for the U.S. chapter. I don't have the information on the international chapters. Um, the average just seems to be chapter, depending on the size of the state. In Arizona last year was, um, as I recall, 350 wishes. Okay. Okay. That and and great. it's a shame. It's great we could do that, and it's a shame there are so many children that are battling that life-threatening illness just in one state. Okay. Okay. So let me ask, uh, and, and we visited this topic a little bit ago, if somebody wants to be part of your mission, if they want to give or donate, uh, what can they do? The best thing is to, again, wish.org, which is the national website, and that will take you, it'll allow you to click on your local chapters or whatever state, whatever region you're in, and, uh, and everything, the mom and pop, the mom and I always call it dollars, are just as important, in fact, more, maybe more important than the big corporate sponsor. Uh, the five or ten dollar donation, and you mentioned volunteers. All volunteers. The only way the foundation works on the amount of volunteers that we have in each chapter, they 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 make the whole thing, they make the whole thing happen. If it wasn't for volunteers, volunteers, we could never do all this. Okay, all right, not a problem. You also uh, are are a speaker, so you speak to organizations, uh, corporations, schools. Uh, we've got a couple minutes toward next break. and uh, that can 
seconds to our final break. I can't believe how quickly this show is going. My very special guest this week is Frank Shankowitz, who is the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. We've talked about the mission of his organization. we talked about how Make-A-Wish is different from other organizations. He's shared some amazing stories of some of his favorite wishes that have been granted and what it's like to put together a nonprofit organization. We will talk more about this and so much more after our final break. This is Success Profiles Radio. Please stay with us. Don't go away. The mission is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio, and we'll be back with more right after these on the Rockstar Radio Network. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. Escape Artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and create your escape plan right now. In today's business world, you have to be LinkedIn. LinkedIn, it's a great tool. And Carol McManus is the LinkedIn lady. Join us for the LinkedIn Lady Show every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Carol is here to show you and your business how every social media site has a specific demographic, personality, and purpose that can benefit you. In each show, the LinkedIn lady will have a variety of guests, such as business owners who will showcase their businesses and talk about how they're using social media to stay in touch with not only customers, but to attract new relationships that become customers. Other guests will be experts in social media who will speak to the use of Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Plaxo, Squidoo, and of course, LinkedIn. For more on Carol and the show, check out her website, LinkedInLady.com. Join us for the LinkedIn Lady Show with your host, Carol McManus, every weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio on the Rockstar Radio Network. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright. And we are back. My very special guest this week is Frank Shankowitz, who is the founder of the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And Frank, you have been abundantly blessed lately. There is going to be a movie made about your life, and it's called Wish Man. Tell us a little bit about how that got started. Well, that's very flattering and very humbling. Uh, I, during a speaking event, I uh, was introduced to a director out of the uh, Hollywood area named Keel Davis, and uh, he just started saying he, he's followed my uh, website, he followed a little bit of my career, and he said this is going to be a fantastic movie. So we need 
more of the motivational movies like uh, uh, Blindside and Rudy and asked me if I would be interested. And I was very simple at first, but just started listening to his ideas and his thoughts on the screenplay. And um, Greg Reed happened to be involved in this, also wanted to get involved. And I liked his credentials, so I said, yes, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's see what we can come up with. That's fantastic. So somebody approached you about this, and and you decided that this might be something worth doing. Right. Uh, it, I, I think it will give great uh, inspiration, not only for Make-A-Wish, but for people also to just, uh, to. I'm always interested in giving back somehow. Absolutely. So I've been reading your posts on Facebook lately. It sounds like the screenplay is about done. Is that right? Yes, we've been working uh, several months on the screenplay for the draft of the screenplay, and um, I get a kick out of the uh, feel of the writer um, on this. But he, sometimes he makes me work what I call a midnight shift at two in the morning. He's calling me, he said, "I'm sending you a draft. Look at it, correct it, tell me what we need to do." So uh, we've had a lot of fun putting this together, and I, I like the way he's putting it, and he's given me control on this, script control on this, so that. Uh, Nothing is, is getting out of sync or sticking to the true story. And I, I respect great. him for that. That's great. In fact, that was going to be my next question is how true to the story is this going to be? Because I know uh, a lot of biopics, at least in Hollywood, they take what we'll call creative license <laughs> in the interest of, quote, unquote, making a better story. Right, but that's, exactly. that's not going to happen. Well, your life is interesting enough that there shouldn't have to be that much creative license necessary. I mean – Goodness, I mean, I'm sure they'll probably cover your career in law enforcement. They'll cover how the first wish came about. They'll cover the difficulties of how how uh, the organization got started. There's a lot of stuff there, so I think it's going to be great. Yeah, it'll, it'll both be, and, and again, like you mentioned, it's from the events of my life from child up through the years of starting the foundation that inspired all of this. And there's the sad parts, there's the humorous parts, the downright funny parts he's put it all together yeah so uh let me ask you this is there a timeline i'm sure there's a timeline but how how far away from i mean you're obviously the screenplay just being written you're a long ways from being done but is there a uh, estimated time on the release date for this the release date as i understand will be the end of 2014 or beginning of 2015 uh, the screenplay, the draft is uh, being finalized. It, it goes to for review, and after that time, it will go for script writing, then casting. Uh, they of the schedule right now is for filming is uh, April, May, and June, and then also mm. October of next year. Mm. So after wow. editing, etc. But uh, I'm kind of thrilled because a lot of what we filmed right here in my hometown of Prescott. And in northern Arizona. That's great. And I know that a lot of a lot of the details are still pretty hush hush, but have you thought about casting and where you're going to get your actors from? Um, that is trick with you, and like you said, a lot of it's hush hush right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. I can't reveal some of the people have already asked for cameos in the movie. You've got the major major names that have asked for cameos to be in the movie. Oh, that was my next question is, while you can't reveal the identities specifically, will some of these people be people that we all know who they are? Oh, yes, definitely. You'll know who they are. There won't be a hesitation yeah. on it. 
In, in fact, it's it's interesting. I, I've seen the uh, what is it the the poster? Greg Reed has posted on on Facebook what the the poster of the movie is going to look like. And I, at first I thought Marlboro Man. It looks a little bit like the Marlboro Man image. I also think that if someone like Wilford Brindley was about 20 years younger, he could play your the current version of you. So there's probably going to be several actors playing you, a younger version and, and a, a current version. Is that right? Yes, yeah, so there'll be uh, an actor that for my mid-30s uh, when I was the motorcycle officer and then current age and then along with my wife also in her mid-20s and current age mm -hmm. you know it's it's interesting and then they, uh, uh, some young actors to play with my grandson and uh mm. so with children yeah so uh, it's quite, quite involved with casting yeah so when you assign the parts of the wish children will you be using real wish children then that that will be strictly up to um, a, let's say a local chapter and the families. Um, okay. And, and we will also seek permission from the, the national office if we're using WISH children. Uh, yeah. Sometimes they, I can understand, again, the families don't want that exposure because, sure. again, a very private thing. Absolutely. Before we move on to our next topic, is there anything else you'd like to say about the movie WISH Man as it is uh, going into production here in the next few months? Yeah, you can follow it on Facebook right now or, or on the website, wishmanmovie.com, and uh, it'll give you all the information. They're developing a blog, et cetera, et cetera. This is all kind of new to me. Obviously, I'm a novice in all of this. And uh, this has also led on to it now a possible TV show uh, on another topic, but uh, one thing has led to another here. Wow. That's really great. We've got probably five or six minutes until the end. So I'd like to ask about your career as an author, because I know that you were part of the Think and Grow Rich Stickability Project. That's how I met you. That's uh, There's an entire chapter about you in that book. There also have been other books that you've been involved in, one that was released earlier this year, I believe, called Once Upon a Wish. Tell us about that. Yeah, what's the point of wish? A, a young um, reporter here in my local hometown of Prescott, Arizona, uh, started doing uh, articles on local wish children we were granting wishes to, and she became very interested in the foundation, wrote quite a, a firing uh, feature article about me in the local newspaper, which got picked up by Associated Press. And they just came to me with the idea. She said, we need to write a book about wish children, about from eight to ten different wish children throughout the United States, the whole experience of the life-threatening illness they're going through, the wish, the power of the wish, the effects on the total family, the child. And I thought, this is a great idea. And she helped me, asked me to help her write it. Well, I write like a police officer, um, saw Crook arrested same. And she gets that. It was a beautiful starry night when he observed the <laughs> intoxicated driver inspector. So between the two of us, we spent about a year and a half uh, not only interviewing these children and the family, again with the permission uh, of the family, and uh, put together this book, which was released in March of this year, Once Upon a Wish. Hmm. Wow, that's fantastic. It's it's just so interesting how once you keep putting yourself out there, how opportunities start to gravitate toward you. Do you find uh, do, do you find that things are just coming to you now from directions that you don't even anticipate and what you attribute that to? Uh, 
Well, it, it is. It's very. Uh, I, I did my final retirement with the uh, Arizona State Police just October first because I was still doing a lot of follow up work on homicide, and uh, all of a sudden, this whole new career type thing is is coming available. Um, and because of uh, Greg Reed so speaking at his secret doc, his sick ability event, the book yeah. that's come out here, another one we just finished uh, that Greg wrote, Universal Wish, mm-hmm. uh, that was just released here in the last month. And now I've been contacted by another publishing company to write my life, life story, which will start working on that uh, after the movie is uh, finished. That's fantastic. So as we are coming toward the end of the show, we've got three minutes left. I'm going to ask you, Frank, the question that I ask everyone who comes on my show, and it's simply this. Who inspires and motivates you? Okay. And did you want me to answer that now? Yes, please. That'd be great. Who inspires me, uh, motivates me right now, are the children, uh, w- without a doubt. I, I get to meet these children that are eligible for a wish, I get, I'm still a wish grantor with a foundation. So I, I get to go out and talk to these children, talk to the families. Uh, my biggest thrill at events around the nation uh, is meeting wish children that have survived the illness that are now adults and come up to me and just say, I'd like to meet you. I'd like to shake your hand. Uh, I'm a wish child. And that almost brings a tear into my eye. But that is my yeah. biggest motivation, to keep taking care of these children. That's fantastic. So uh, one more time, how can we make a contribution to the Make-A-Wish Foundation if we'd like to go ahead and do that? On the website, the national website, wish.org, and that will lead you to your local chapter throughout the United States or international countries. And uh, everything from volunteering to a dollar donation to whatever you can do to help. Uh, a sponsorship, an in-kind gift, anything that could help the foundation. That's great. And how do we get a hold of you if we want to connect with you? I am, I know you're on Facebook. Um, I don't mind giving out my personal email address. I'm getting flooded with that anyhow. And that's uh, okay. frank1091 at att.net. Okay, so if you want to email Frank and ask him a question or talk to him about anything, Frank is very responsive, and I really appreciate that. So we are coming to the end of the show, and Frank, I am so thankful that you were on the show today. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. And again, thank you very much, Brian. Enjoy talking to you. That's fantastic. And we will be back next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern. This is Success Profiles Radio. You can find me on Facebook. I also have a fan page, Success Profiles Radio. You can find me at on Twitter, at Mr. Brian K. Wright. I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me there. And you can also listen to any replay of the show at www.successprofilesradio.com. You can hear any of the shows that I've done so far, and this one should be available to be listened to in about an hour or so after the show. You can also download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio for free on iTunes anytime you'd like, and leave a review of the show on iTunes if you could. That would be fantastic. I really appreciate all of you. Thank you so much for listening. You all have a beautiful week, and be back next week at 6 p.m. Eastern for Success Profiles Radio. Have a wonderful week, everyone. Goodbye.
Thank you for being a part of Success Profiles Radio with your host, Brian K. Wright, here on the Rockstar Radio Network.